0: And off we go! Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I am your host, Shaq Hopkins, and back with me this week is our co-host. What's up, Dr. K? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be back. We didn't have you last week. We played We we did something different on the podcast last week. It was a Q and A session for my kind of inner circle program, Next Level Courses, and you weren't involved at all with that podcast episode, even though it was actually your idea to do that. Thanks again for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, welcome back. I think you went on a, a little trip, huh?
1: I did, yeah. My wife and I went down to the Asheville area and over to the Smoky Mountains National Park. And yeah, really fantastic uh, experience, a lot of hiking, a lot of waterfalls. Um, There was kind of this funny uh, incident that kind of did have to do with online courses as I reflected back on it. Um, It was the third day and we were actually traveling from our first Airbnb to the second. And uh, kind of the main activity that day was uh, this waterfall hike, which I got there and I was researching the hike. And I got all excited. It said there's 30 types of salamanders in the creek, and so I actually spotted two. And I would say if there's anything that would make my wife feel like she's married to a seven-year-old, it's me seeing a lizard or a salamander in the wild. Do you guys have down in uh, Louisiana? Do you have like wild lizards?
0: Wild lizards. Uh, I mean, just like little like geckos little and stuff. Little lizards
1: around that you yeah. would
0: see. Yeah, no- nothing too major. We 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 have a lot of uh, alligators. Those are big lizards. Yeah.
1: That's not the same thing. But yeah, I had pet lizards growing up. So like if I see one out in the woods, it's like, oh man, that's so cool. But anyways, we were uh, we had about 20 minutes to go to get to our Airbnb. It was 8.15 at night and it was actually storming. Stopped at a gas station to buy some cashews and beef jerky. And as we walk in, we walk by this hippie looking guy, long hair, barefoot, standing outside the gas station. And he's like, hey, would you guys give me a ride to my car? And we just walked on by, didn't even like make eye contact, um, walked by him again. And the guy just had this like kind face, like he did not look like an ax murderer. And so we got in our car and I asked my wife, I said, do you, so the thing was, this guy clearly had like a hiking backpack and normally I wouldn't pick up hitchhikers, but I, I asked my wife, I said, do you want to offer this guy a ride? And she's like, yeah. I said, well, let's see how far he needs to go. And I was hoping five minutes, uh, it ended up being like 40 minutes, but Anyways, the guy jumps in our car, his name was Chandler, and ended up just being the nicest guy. Um, He's a barefoot hiker. He just finished 40 miles hiking barefoot. He ended up giving us advice on where we should hike, Uh, but it was kind of funny. We had about 10 minutes to go, and he says, yeah, I'm a juggler, and I was like, oh, really? And He's like, yeah, like I put the hat down, and people give me money, and I was like, oh, you're a busker, And, and he was kind of impressed with me for knowing that word. Uh, but we started talking about, oh, are you adding in, you know, do you have quite a bit of comedy in your routine? And I was kind of coaching him through that a little bit or just just chatting about it. But like right before we got him to his car, he's like, yeah, I have this goal of teaching a thousand people to juggle. And it, like instantly alarm bells go off. I'm like, this guy needs to start a course. But we were right by, you know, we got to his car really shortly. Anyways, we exchanged name. This guy's name is Chandler. You know, and I was thinking. I mean, he's actually making money juggling. And so, what does it take for a person to say, "I should create an online course"? Um, well, you have to have something you're passionate about. You have to have a desire to share it, which clearly he does. He wants to teach a thousand people to juggle. And then there's this huge bonus if the passion actually makes money, because then when you go to ask people for money, it's like, it's like, hey, you know, like you can make your investment in this course back easily. So, um, I actually searched if there's busking courses. Um, which busking is just a term for street performance, if you're not familiar with that. And I found one in-person class over in London. But yeah, I'll I'll send this to Chandler when it comes out. And Chandler, uh, you know, I I think it might be a sign or serendipity that uh, this is you're meant to create a course on how to how to busk for money. And for listeners, if you want to look up this guy, his uh, name on Instagram is how wonderful it is to be. Um, that only has one W though, so how wonderful it is to be with only one W. You can see him juggle, juggle in front of me these gorgeous waterfalls in the uh, the North Carolina region.
0: Well, you know uh, your your stories always relate to online courses one way or another. You started talking about lizards. And I'm like, where where is this going, David? But that's <laughs> that's really cool, man. And you know he's he's making money to some extent with juggling at this point, and then he's got the goal of teaching a thousand people. How to juggle? I mean, I, I had a goal to teach people piano. I wasn't making money from piano. I just enjoyed mm. it. You know, it doesn't have to be a money making niche, but there is a money making opportunity in this one. And it would be hard to teach a thousand people to juggle without an online course, don't you right. think? I think, it, yeah, it'd be harder. Yeah did did you did you mention to him online courses and had he, had that even crossed his mind?
1: I hadn't. You know, we were almost to his car and it was just the alarm bells went off and and we exchanged names. And then as I reflected back on it, I'm like, Mm. you know, there's actually an opportunity here. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's a free spirit, hippie, barefoot hiker. It's like uh, around the world, there might be other people that would love to do street performance and actually make money. What's your experience with street performance? Have you ever put the hat down? And, uh, you know, they always have those public pianos. Have you put the hat down and played? (laughs)
0: I don't think I've ever gotten tips for my piano playing. I've certainly sat down and played at public pianos, but um <laughs> first of all nobody's
1: tried to stick money down your front pocket while you're playing?
0: Not that I remember and yeah. Not not that I can think of, man. Um, but you mentioned Asheville, you know, shout out to any listeners in that area. It's a beautiful place. We we went out there two summers ago as a family on a little road trip up kind of east coast-ish. And um a couple of things I remember. The build? Did you go to the Biltmore? Biltmore did. No, we is skipped that. Epic man, that it's <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. And then there's a restaurant. I remember. I, I just you know we, we didn't we didn't plan this necessarily, but I, I remember the restaurant. I just wrote it down. It's called Tupelo Honey. You okay. Guys, go to Tupelo Honey. We
1: walk, no, we walked by. it. We went to a place called Pizza
0: Mind. Okay. So Pizza Mind. Uh, yeah, it was great. Great. And then the the last thing I'll mention that really jumped out is there's the, there's a magnificent highway up in that part of the country. I think Blue Ridge.
1: Blue Ridge Parkway, yeah, 400 miles up on this ridge. That's where we spent the most time, mm. and it is epic. So um, cool. So that does lead me to this other thing I wanted to mention. Um, I think that you ha- you're you going to be able to tell me that you had an experience with this, uh, but we would be at these these uh, trailheads, and you look around, and, and if there were people around, they were wearing, like, hiking shoes, and then you'd look down the way, and there would be a lady getting out of her car wearing, like... Just uh, the most deluxe, gorgeous dress, you know, dress to the nines, makeup, five inch high heels. And it's like there were these Instagram influencers all over the place. Like we saw like 10 of them. Mm. Did you see some of those on your trip this summer? I, I don't.
0: Uh, oh, on my on on our trip out west this past summer. Road trip. Uh, You know, now that you mention it, I think there were a couple of occasions where it was just like girls just dressed up. And, and somebody's <laughs> taking pictures of them. They're doing all the poses. I, I didn't yes. really think of it till now. But yeah, that's that's a real thing.
1: Yeah, it was funny. I mean, this one parking lot, uh, this kind of normal hiker looking couple, they walked by and they were kind of nodding their or shaking their heads at each other, and rolling their eyes uh, as this lady was off in the distance, just like wearing this, this gorgeous dress and obviously some kind of an influencer. And I said, I said, God, she might have 20 million followers all over the world, right? Waiting to see this picture. And uh, they said, "Yeah, well, you guys just missed it. Apparently, there was just an Instagram famous dog here." I oh, said, "Yeah, it was like a, a pug dressed up like a turkey." <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, dang, that's that's my kind of Instagram influencer. Like, <laughs> if I rolled up to a parking lot and Grumpy Cat was still alive and I got to meet him, that'd be like the high point
0: of my life." Okay, all right, let's let's rate it in, man. We're starting to get all off right. the rails with with dog Instagram uh, pages and whatnot. I don't have twenty million followers. Not anywhere near that, but I'll share a, a, a interesting story related to like followers and whatnot. So we got back from a very small trip. We we took a little long weekend uh, trip to the beach in Florida. Uh, got back a couple of days ago, and on that trip, for the second time in my life, I got recognized in the wild. Ah, uh, I can see that coming. Yeah, yeah. So you know, what's funny. It's like, and this was a student. Somebody, the, the girl had signed up for my course six weeks ago. Okay. And so I've got about six thousand people that ever bought my course so it's i I started doing the math both times i you know both times I had been recognized it was in the United States, so I probably have three to four thousand of the of my students are u s what is there three hundred fifty million people in the United States It's like I just that that's very 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 small odds that that I would get recognized by somebody but yeah, we were out uh at this like restaurant bar um one night, and sure enough they were. The girl and her friend was like, are you, are you by chance this guy? And I was like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And she, uh, I looked it up on my phone and she had signed up uh, about six weeks ago. So that was, um, that was interesting. It's, it's a, it's a weird experience. I'll tell you that.
1: I bet your wife is kind of like, oh no, (laughs) he's (laughs) he's getting famous.
0: No, no, no. It's good, annoying. (laughs) So, um, where should we go next? Any other updates on your side or is that kind of the main things you wanted to go over? That
1: that was a Kind of a little off topic today, but uh, no. I, I mean, you've had all these things going on. What's your update? I mean, have you? What have you got done in the last week,
0: dude? We are we are finishing up a, a new course called Classical and Sheet Music in Twenty One Days. Um, we're adding a couple of new bonuses to the the platform once it rolls out. We are uh, developing the platform, and the 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 platform that we're using recently rolled out their app feature and it looks amazing okay and you're looking at me like right now like what is it what is it what is it I, I it's once we start getting some beta testers in there and i know it's going to work like it's i'm i would not be like completely surprised if we we go down this path and then we have to back out for some reason like we're mm-hmm. we're slowly dipping our toe in the water it looks very good from the outside but um <laughs> I don't want to say what I'm using for my online course platform until I know I'm actually going to use it, right? But Got they it. they did recently roll out an app feature, and uh, and it looks very very promising. And as you know, and as most listeners know, like basically what I'm looking for is course and community in the same place that can seamlessly integrate with a branded app. And there's not that many platforms that can do it. Mm-hmm. There's not that many that can do it. So
1: more updates that well can i ask one quick question about the uh the co-teaching or uh, bringing on a teacher mm -hmm. Uh, just very briefly like can you share who that teacher is and then also i know in the past that you've said that you just um essentially hired a person to accomplish this course is that how you set up the finances this time or did you decide to go with a different model
0: yeah so this is the third time that i've now outsourced an entire course to somebody else to another pianist and that's because i I like to stay in my lane. I have my thing that I'm good at, and basically everything that I know about piano essentially is in my Piano in 21 Days course. So there's there's almost no limit to the amount of topics you could cover in on, on the piano, right? I mean, all the different genres, all the different techniques and things, and so reaching out to other people who are experts in these other areas is a, a pretty cool business model that I've stumbled upon. And for me, I'm, I, just, I like to keep things very simple and have as few options for people to buy as possible. So when I first reach out to these people, often they're like, okay, this is great because you're going to sell this course. I'm going to get a percentage of the sales, mm-hmm. win-win. But I'm like, oh, sorry, that's not how it works. Your course is just going to be a bonus within my existing offering. And therefore, it'd be extremely messy to just pay you some sort of percentage of sales because most of the people buying the package are probably are not ever going to actually take your course. And so I much prefer a a higher just like one-time fee. And that's how I've structured all of them so far. So this most recent one, uh, the guy's name is Noah Kelman, K-E-L-L-M-A-N. You can look him up on Instagram or, or wherever. Amazingly accomplished uh, jazz pianist, um, he's classically trained as well, so he's actually putting two courses together for me right now it's a jazz course and a classical course and he's yeah, i mean he's killing it so far and he sends me over the raw files I send him money and the i mean the relationship is essentially over even though I would like the relationship to continue on some level if he can come in on q and A 's with me you know help me support students in some kind of way but he's not going to get a percentage of sales. Yeah.
1: And I love how you set that up. I mean, to be fair, now that you have an affiliate uh, whole program set up, um, there's no reason that you can't say like, Hey, to the extent that you want to promote this entire course, like here's an affiliate link and, and uh, you know, every sale of your course that he would get 40%, correct? Which is
0: exactly yes, or somewhere around there. Um, So it's
1: clean and simple and it, and it lets
0: him still invest in your, your, your success. Yes. And theoretically he would be more successful in promoting my course to his followers if he tells them, hey, you know, there's multiple courses in here where I'm the main instructor, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the interview of today. (laughs) Craig and Zach, we have two people on. And honestly, I, I think I even ran it by you, but I was thinking about maybe interviewing them separately and then piecing it together. But we ended up doing just one conversation. It can be tricky to ask a question, and then it's like, okay, well, do I ask it to one of them, or you know, we don't want to, we don't want to all talk over each other. So I reached out to these guys recently. So I've known them for a while. I am in their membership. They have a membership. I, (laughs) I'm not a great member in there. Uh, A few of the people in there know me, but I don't participate a ton. But I've been in there for a few years, and their niche is just for men. It's a men's group. To help men with, with family, being fathers, being husbands, uh, being the best version of themselves, you know, with their job. Like it's just a, a, a place for men to support other men to be the best version of themselves. And uh, I started following Craig first. Craig has a podcast called uh, Masculine by Design. I started following him years ago. And he started teasing this this program he was coming out with. I thought it was going to be an online course of some sort, and uh, and I didn't know Zach at the time, but he 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 was teasing that he was partnering up with somebody else in the in the space, and and then all of a sudden they released this membership a few years ago. And I was like, what is this? Like, where's the content? Like, where? I was so confused by what it was, but I signed up. I was one of the first people to sign up because I wanted to see what it was. I was very curious because I was so ingrained in online courses at the time, and and wasn't as wasn't as into like community and membership, right? I didn't even have my piano Facebook group at the time. At the time, it was just like I had my piano course, people would buy it, and then relationship over, you know, as far as I was concerned. But man, you should, you should see the inside of that group. It is that everybody just supports each other so much. You post something, you have a problem with something, you have a marital problem. Like everybody wants to help you. They're almost every night of the week they do Zooms on different topics. They're doing it right. They're doing it right as far as a membership goes. And so I wanted to have them on to, to come on and talk about running a successful just membership. That's not even necessarily an online course. Like there's very little just content. It's just the the community, the membership. So that's what's going on here. So any uh, any any thoughts before we go and play it for the audience?
1: Well, I felt like I learned some new things about you through this one. So I think it'll be <laughs> fun to chat about afterwards. So yeah, the listeners, they'll get, uh, get kind of a
0: peek behind the, the curtain of Jacques. The Curtain of Jacques. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and see what that looks like. So without further ado, here's the full conversation with Craig James and Zach Small. Craig, Zach, welcome to the Online Course Show. Thank you for having Thank you, us. Thank you, Jacques. It's a pleasure Absolutely. to be here. Absolutely. Guys, most of the people that come on here that I talk to are what I would call course creators, but there's, there's this term online course, there's memberships, you guys are more on the membership side of things, right? And Craig, I think I've been following you maybe a little longer than Zach and, and was on your email list when you first were launching your membership. And I remember being very curious about what you were coming out with. And I, I would have bet money it was going to be an online course. And you can help me with the, the time frame. It was, it was a few years ago. Why did you decide to launch a membership and not a course?
2: Yeah, honestly, a course had never really, really came to my mind. I, I had uh, been following actually Zach for quite a while and seeing what he was doing with his 31 days to masculinity program. And that was going under an evolution of sorts where he was bringing men together inside of a Slack community. And that was something that was new to me. And I saw the engagements that were taking place in that Slack community and the value that was being shared. And uh, I had already been stewing over the idea of developing some kind of a community uh, that was similar to what Zach was creating. So we were kind of doing having similar thought patterns, but going our own separate ways while also having a connection online. And so the, the thought that I that I had was to create a community where we had a common mission of striving to be the best men that we can be. And that's something that that I do in my own life. I'm very intentional about identifying areas of weakness and trying to refine those areas and and become stronger. And I know Zach shares that sentiment. And so, uh, as I was kind of brainstorming what that would look like, uh, I, I reached out to Zach and I said, "Hey, you know I, you and I share a lot of very similar thoughts on the lives that men should be living in order to be satisfied. And, you know, I'm, I'm stewing over this idea and I see that you're, you're kind of developing something similar and, you know, I'd, I'd love to join forces if that's something you'd be open to. And so he's like, yeah, man, that, that'd be awesome. And, uh, so, so we kind of put that, put that on hold. And that was before he actually launched his, uh, 31 days to masculinity slack, uh, slack group in, in that campaign. I think it was December of 2017, if I remember correctly. And uh, so so we went a couple months and I'm still developing this idea in the background. I'm brainstorming, you know, how, how can I create this community in a way that's going to accomplish the mission at hand, give as much value as possible to the men who are going to join this community. And I got close to launching. I, I have a logo created and I joined Zach's 31 Days to Masculinity campaign that was in December of 2017. And so we're, I'm going through this campaign and a lot of light bulbs start going off. I'm seeing what's going on inside of that Slack group. And so I'm coming up with all kinds of ideas of, of ways that I can you know enhance the community that I wanted to build. And so I at that point, Zach had kind of gone radio silent and it wasn't that he wasn't interested. It turns out it was just he was busy building his own things and, and as was I. And we just hadn't really had time to connect to come together and, and rediscuss that idea that we had agreed upon a while ago. Uh, and so I, st- I start pushing things on social media. You know, here's the logo and here's what I'm creating and launch dates coming up. And he's like, hey, man. Are you still are you still wanting to partner with the, on this? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I just I just thought you lost interest. You hadn't said anything to me. So I was trudging forward. You know, that's, that's something it was a vision that I had and I was going to unleash it one way or another. And uh, I'm really glad that, that Zach and I did join forces because we complement each other very well. And I don't think the community would be anything like it is today had it been just just he or I running it. Um, but that's that's how it came to be. And there are a lot of challenges and struggles that we can get into. I don't want to hog the floor too much here at the beginning of, of the podcast, but uh, there are a lot of things that uh, I learned along the way Zach learned along the way that uh, I hope that we can imbue some of that knowledge onto your audience here today so if they are thinking about creating some kind of a membership uh, platform, they can learn from those mistakes and not have to go through those pains that we did
0: Yeah that's certainly one of my goals here because there's a, there's a lot of people in my audience I've, I've heard from them they're thinking about a membership. You know, a lot, a lot of people get into the world of like online business because they read for our work week, like I did you know, 12, 13 years ago. And it's like, ooh, that sounds nice. I can go drink margaritas on the beach while I make passive income. But more and more lately, people are, are more passionate about what they're getting into and want to have communities and do you know, live events. And the training isn't necessarily the focus of the program. It's more about the human interaction. Um, so Zach, when Craig first approached you about this this idea and wanting to team up, did you even know who Craig was at that point? I, I knew who Craig was. Okay. So as he was telling that story, you know, I had like the biggest smile on my face.
3: We're like two proud dads, like looking at our kid growing <laughs> up. You know, he's telling the story of like the evolution of FOE, and I'm like, yeah, like what what good times like building that up. But so here's what he skipped. He reached out in August. And I I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And that's the way I get on things. I'm like totally in. And then like something shiny. And I'm like, oh, let's start talking about that. So I went radio silent from August till December. And then he was in uh, December of discipline, the 31 day campaign. And I saw that it was going out there. I was like, oh, man, that looks awesome. And that ties in so well with something I'm trying to build over here. Let's, you know, marriage these two ideas. And that's that's how we was born. And it was like a two week turnaround. I, I did not come into this community, nor did I go into just online uh, realm at all, even knowing what courses were. I didn't know what membership sites were. I had no clue. I was completely blind to how any of this worked. I was just like, to enter my campaign, I dropped a PayPal link and I said, give me 20 bucks and I'll send you the link to join the Slack. And that's how I was running it. I mean, you want to talk about bootstrapping it. I had no clue what I was doing. And there was, I was, I was sort of succeeding. In spite of all the efforts I was making to throw grenades in my own path.
0: So, what was your business model then before the membership? When you say business model, you're you're (laughs) you're giving me a lot of credit. There, there truly
3: was people were paying me money to answer their questions, and people were shooting PayPal donations because they liked my content. And I had zero system, I had zero process. I was like, cool, money's in PayPal. I was working my nine to five. I didn't really care about the money, but it was cool that it started to show up. And I started seeing people like right now it's very common to see these groups. There's a there's a lot of groups out there. At the time, I didn't know of any. I didn't know groups existed. You know, so like I said, I didn't I didn't read Four Hour Work Week. Uh, I didn't know that courses were a thing. So from my angle, you just sort of you dropped a PayPal link and people gave you money and you would you would you would work with them, and that was my business model and it worked.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Jacques, I, I mentioned that Zach and I complement each other very well and and you're kind of seeing that here. You know, Zach is a, he's very, he has a shotgun approach. You know, he, he really, he wants to see something come to life and he just does it. Whereas I take the more uh, risk averse method of let's, let's analyze this. Let's, let's see what are the best ways to go about making this happen. And and how can we alleviate any of the pitfalls that might come across our path? And uh, that's, that's why we work very well together because, you know, he's, he's a trigger puller and I, and I kind of make sure that uh, we calibrate our aim before that bullet flies toward its target.
0: Very synergistic relationship, Absolutely. sounds like. I'm sure it's all, all rainbows and butterflies too, always. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> Except when Zach ghosts you. Yeah, that does happen from time to time. It's been, it's been a while. <laughs> Don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, uh, once, you, once he got back with you, decided to move forward with this thing, was it a smooth launch? How, how did, how, what were those steps and how'd the initial launch go?
2: Go ahead, Zach. You, you, can, uh, you can take the initial description and then I can maybe go into the technical uh, technical issues. So
3: yeah, no, absolutely. Now people for myself, I was thinking, you know, you want to base it on a good price as to what's, what's, we'll bring people in. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to give this everything I have and we should run it. And I think it was like, we should do $19 for $19. You can get full access to everything. And then some guys got wicked mad. And I was like, Whoa. And then we started talking, I was talking to Craig. I was like, this is going to be very time consuming. How much time are we going to put into this community? all right, we're going to make it $67. And then guys lost their minds. The fact that we were charging at all, we had like an uprising from the men that were in December of discipline. And we're like, oh man, all right. So this is, this is too low. That's too high. How much do you charge for a community that we have nothing to compare it to? There's nobody else out there who's offering what it is we're about to offer. And it's going to take so much of our time to answer and engage, run the, the streams. Similar to what you're doing now, we were doing multiple times every day you know, throughout the week or every other day, and it was just how do you balance that? How do you compare it to? So that's where we had a lot of struggles in the beginning trying to figure out what are we offering, what's worth our time, and are we gonna who are, who are we willing to anger to do this? Because once you put even 99 cents on something, all of a sudden that something is like tainted, people are mad that you're, you're making you're putting a price tag on it. And it was just for somebody like myself coming at it from, like I said, not having any experience, any background. I had zero, you know, relationships with others who were running a group. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. So to me, I was like, nine ninety nine. Let's just do it. Let's just run with it. (laughs) And thank God I had Craig because there is no way I would be doing what I do now if I was (laughs) running a nine ninety nine and you were getting, you know, forty plus hours of my life every single week.
2: Yeah. I mean we made a lot of mistakes on that front too. And Jacques, you know, being someone who who coaches others on building online courses, I'm I'm guessing price point is something that you get a lot of questions on
0: absolutely you
2: know the value that we see as the creator is often different than the value that that the outside person who we're hoping joins our our membership site
0: yeah absolutely and pricing I feel like for a membership is even more complicated because it's it's that recurring payment it's very 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 important it's like the difference between ten dollars a month versus hundred dollars a month I mean this isn't groundbreaking math but that's a, that's a ten times different in a business theoretically but then okay, are ten times less people gonna sign up at hundred dollars versus ten? It's absolutely. It's um. It's an interesting conversation. So where did you guys settle in at on launch?
2: Well, so and I I definitely want to touch on this because this is one of the greatest lessons learned that any of your listeners who might be thinking about starting a community uh, like the Fraternity of Excellence I think can stand to benefit greatly from what I'm about to say. Um, the first thing though I, I want to get into uh, before that is. It's still difficult even today uh, running this community because the nature of these communities is they're exclusive. They're kind of hidden behind that paywall. So it's very difficult for Zach or myself or even the the brothers that we have inside of the Fraternity of Excellence to share adequately and give justice to the value that's truly being unleashed inside of that community because we try to keep everything that we do, mostly we keep a lid on it. We don't, you know, that's part of the nature of of what we've built, is we want a community where men feel like they can come inside, we can discuss issues that are specific to men, the struggles that we go through as men and and how do we increase our value as men and, and a lot of that is private and so we're not uh really too uh too encouraged per se to go out there and share everything that the men are doing and the success is being achieved, and so that makes it difficult now, other communities may not have as much of a struggle, but there's always going to be some kind of a struggle when you have this closed community of Doing justice to what's going on inside of your community in a way that those outside can truly understand and make a good decision on whether their their dollars are worth investing there.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because like with my main business, my piano course, you know, I have a community. Like there's right now it's a Facebook group. I'm probably going to move it onto my own platform. And I really want to talk to you guys about platform and tools as well.
2: Sure. Now, real quick, Jock, I, I wanted to touch on the pricing aspect because you asked, you know, where where did we settle and and how did that go? So I actually don't, we, we made quite a few changes there early on, but here would be my advice. If I could go back and start from square one, the way I would do it would be a tiered approach. I would say, you know, you want, you want those, those early adopters who are pretty much going to be loyal and, uh, they're going to stick with you for the long haul. So I, I would open it up to, I don't know, say 10 to 20 spots at a, at a low, lower price point. After those first 10, 20 spots are filled, raise the price a little bit and have that exclusive to a certain number of people because the nature of these communities as well is that the value that is uh, available to those who join goes up as the member count increases, and so it's a it's a logical justification um, that as you grow that community, you can justify charging uh, more money for that. as As more people join, you have more revenue that you can use to then continue investing and in, in improving the experience, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, we have we have guys inside of the Fraternity of Excellence that are paying nine ninety nine a month right now, and our current price point for a monthly membership I think is seventy seven ninety nine. Uh, So, you know, these guys are getting one heck of a bargain um, at this point with what we have and what we built, but we show loyalty to those men who joined early on and, you know, they, they trusted in what we were doing and they, they put their, their money where their mouths were. And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate every one of them, even while they're, they're paying such a low amount of money relative to those who are coming in now.
0: So they're, they're grandfathered in at that price. That's why they're paying that price. Exactly. So all I was going to say is that because my niche is so different than yours, like it's, when somebody shares a video of them playing piano inside the group, almost nobody minds if I share that outside the group. It's like, hey, look what this person's doing playing the piano. It's not as personal as some of the things that happen inside of a group like yours. So on that note, let's just, for, for the audience's benefit, if you could, if you guys could clarify just exactly who your audience is and which, what you're trying to help them with. Zach, you want to take that one? Oh, absolutely.
3: So I'm just going to go through a few recent ones that popped in my head We had a man recently joined because he needed to overhaul his finances and he's getting direct access to people whose profession is to work the stock market. Like they are, they are traders by trade. That's what they do. And they're answering this, this man's questions one on one. Like, Hey, let me see your breakdown of what you're doing. Here's my advice. That guy charges other people thousands of dollars. He, this guy paid a F we membership to get access to that guy. Now you've seen the walls. We have personal trainers within there. Looking to help men dial that in, we have uh, actual therapists who, while not giving therapy, let me let me leave that disclaimer. They are giving advice and they are giving the time which they can't get other places. There are a lot of individuals who are are content creators on the internet who are getting slammed. You know, everybody's asking them questions. Everybody's flooding their DMs. You know, a lot of people, if you're reaching out to somebody, and they just don't respond to you. They're too busy. You know, you're getting lost in the sauce through emails and through DMs, whereas those men in FOE. They'll show up and talk to your face as we're doing right now. You know, during one of our weekly calls, you can sit and ask that person again your individual, you know, situation and their advice on that. And these men will give you and they'll they'll form it around you. You know, and you see a lot of men coming in to try to fix something. There's something that isn't right. You know, for we we have such a a large sphere from from firearms training to marriage and relationships and divorce, from parenting to how do you handle your crypto? That we have experts, and I'm not saying we have men who are, who are armchair quarterbacks. No, we have experts in each of these fields to offer one-on-one advice to your situation. They're not saying, hey, buy my book. They're saying, hey, tell me your story, and I'll respond to your story. Not, not the world's story, your specific story and how I can help you. You know, and these men, when they join, they join for their own reasons. I believe there are several in there. You know, one of the reasons I needed this myself is leaving the military you know, some men just want that brotherhood. They just want that camaraderie, a place they can go and, you know, have their cigars and, you know, talk a little more crass than they could with their friends or their peers, you know, and kind of just vent that way. And it's the boys club and then they can go back and, you know, they get that, that hit, you know, so it's, it's unique to the man, but the benefit they get is having that one-on-one direct access that these men aren't giving others or they're charging quite a bit for.
0: Is it just... Community, like when you went to launch this, what was your offer? What was your pitch? Hey, you sign up for this, you pay this monthly fee, and you're going to get this. And has that changed to today? What what it, what is the offer?
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely changed. So the the offer it's actually still the same in a lot of ways, but the offer is you know we we offer kind of like Zach said, we offer exclusive access to experts in a number of different fields. So we're talking finance, fitness, marriage. Uh, parenting. I mean, th- we have course creation, course creation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You ran a, a nice course inside of there, which I didn't yeah. know if we were allowed
3: to talk about that. I almost said the same thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I mean, I, I don't mind sharing that, but I was one of the first people to sign up uh, back in the day, but I'm, I'm probably the world's worst FOE member. Is that fair to say? I'm, I'm you're your top three of being the worst. <laughs> okay, you came You came
2: <laughs> to the first brotherhood event and I've shaken your hand and broke bread with you, man. That's more than I can say. With, that's, that's right. The other that's man. true. So that that's was, right. It was a pleasure as well. Uh, but yeah i mean it, and again this goes back to how do you adequately express all the value i mean every single day uh, with very few exceptions there's one of our brothers holding a zoom uh, meeting a zoom video chat similar to this and they're discussing issues that are relevant to men so again whether it's relationships whether it's it's building wealth whether it's h- how to parent your children effectively um how to make more money at work um, anything you can think of uh, as far as what it means to be a man and when we open the doors uh, we structured it uh, a little bit differently than it's structured today. We had a book club, so every um, every so often we would select a book that was relevant to issues that, that men deal with, and we would all read through it together. And our weekly Tuesday Zoom meeting would be uh, part of that conversation. Would be discussing uh, the chapter or chapters that we were reading in that book. Uh, we had weekly assignments, so so those assignments might be you know run two miles and do five hundred push ups uh, over the next week. Um, just an example. Um, and those, those kinds of things have, have kind of transitioned away and we've replaced them with other things over time because what we found, and, and this is sort of a, I would call it a mistake that we made early on is we tried to fit all of the men into kind of a box, right? This, this one program that everybody followed. And what we found as the community grew is every man joined for similar overarching reasons of wanting to improve their lives in some way. But what that looked like for each individual man was very different. And so uh, we had men coming to us saying, you know, I, I, I'm already, you know, in the top 1% of of fitness. I don't really care to run two miles. I'm already running 10 miles a week. You know, That that doesn't really do anything for me, but I'd really love to, you know, learn how to invest my money more effectively, or I'd really love how to, how to, you know, get my wife to want to have sex with me more. I'd really love to get my children more motivated and have purpose in their lives. And, and so we, we took a step back and we've, we've slowly uh, restructured things to where we do have subject matter experts and we do have different Zooms and different channels within our Slack community, our exclusive chat forum that allows for the men to get the help that's specific to the things that they need help with.
0: So the next thought that comes to my mind is, I mean, you guys are both very passionate about this, this overarching topic and and trying to help men just be better men in, in a lot of uh, facets. And, and there's, there's obviously a lot of people in this community. I would love to hear one or two stories of some way this community has been able to impact somebody inside the group. And, and you certainly don't have to like name names. And and if you'd rather just not share at all to protect, you know, have anonymity, you know, that's cool too. But as course creators or membership creators, like one of our duties is to, to help people, right? And so that's why I like to to hear the stories of the people you're helping too. So is there one or two stories you guys could share about that?
2: I bet Zach has like 30 off the top of his head right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll share one. <laughs> but okay. yeah,
3: a bunch came to mind. So we had a man join and he was an active member in the group, big contributor. And while successful in so many other areas, he was struggling to get momentum behind his, his writing, You know, uh, publishing books and getting his name out there and his brand recognized. And so he came through and he's like, he had given so much to this community that he's like, guys, like, how do I do this? And a few of the content creators came to him and like, well, what if you, what if you gathered your resources or you created a community support and we launched it off and we were sort of your springboard. So inside FOE, you tell us what you're going to do. And on day one, when you do it, it looks like it just exploded onto the scene. And now everybody's going to want to ride that wave. So the man created a Kickstarter and we all talked about different perks and different ways he could, you know, capitalize on that. So he was basically, a, I, I can't think of the name right now, but he's running, using us as the the testing group. You know, and he was he was using us as to what would work, What wouldn't work? What would you pay for? What would you not pay for? At what price points? We had huge discussions on this, and he was getting it from all of the men, so so men who were just working their nine to five and leaving their family that were in foE, as well as men who have been doing this online and that's where they made their income. So he got the full sphere as to what right looked like. And when he launched, you know how like they blow through the first one, they're like, oh, new goal, next one. He had to make like nine different goals. He destroyed Kickstarter, like he broke it down and it was awesome. And it, it really was a springboard to where now he has left his job and he's a full time writer. And I, I'm so proud of this guy because he, he didn't give up. But I remember all the way back when he was trying to just get it going, you know, just get that ball rolling down the hill to get some momentum. And here we are because the guys came together. We helped him. And you know, I think it's less than a year later, you know, he now is an author full time and it's just incredible to see that journey. And it all started with having a few guys with some motivation rallying behind them and getting them going to do it right from the beginning.
0: Yeah, that that's amazing. And um, you know, speaking of quitting your job and doing what you love full time, Zach, if I'm not mistaken, you were working full time when you launched FOE, and you're not anymore. What was that process like for being able to step away and do this online stuff full time?
3: It was, you know, people, especially those listening to this, you're looking to build that dream. You know, you have that goal. And aligning what you do with what you love, it's just an amazing marriage there. And I love what we do. I love working with the men. I love working one on one with men. I love just seeing people grow. You know, I I come from a military background. And when I left the Navy, that sort of left. You know, I didn't really have that mission. I didn't have that camaraderie. So like I said, when this was built in FOE, I was like, man, I love this. Like I could like, I truly like to the, to my core, like this is what I do. This is who I am. But I had my job and I had to keep food on the table. I've got a wife and two children, you know, like they, they're not free. <laughs> they eat, you know, <laughs> so I had to keep, you know, putting food on the table. And then as we grew, you know, and as my, I guess, influence grew through uh, social media, different uh, products I was offering, I was talking to my wife and I was like, I'm, I'm making some good money. You know, and it, it's not going anywhere. It's consistent. And I think this is one of the reasons why membership communities are becoming so popular. They're consistent you relatively know, you know, you're going to have X amount of people. And if 10 drop off, you know, well, you made a mis- something happened to lose 10 people. But even then, you still have something coming in. You know, it's relatively consistent. You can build upon that. And FOE had proven, you know, I left my job in 2019. And we went live uh, January 1st, 2018. So going into, we were roughly one and a half years into it, I would say, roughly. And we're just getting momentum. We're still running with momentum. It's incredible. So I I took the leap and I was like, hey, Craig, I'm doing this. <laughs> like, this is gonna be nuts. And I told my wife, and I was like, this is crazy that this is my life. You know, but I, I look at you, Jacques. You know, it's when you do what you love and it just keeps to grow, it's almost like it's how do you describe that? How how do you describe living the life that you've always you've you couldn't even have dreamed of as a child? Yet here you are, you know, living it out every single day. It's a wonderful thing.
0: It is. And and let me tell you one of one thing that really sticks out for me. I quit my job four and a half years ago, roughly. I'm curious if your experience is the same, Zach. But when I was working my full-time job, I hated Sundays, like especially Sunday evenings, because it's like, ah, oh, the weekend is coming to a close. Got to go to work tomorrow. I didn't hate my job, but it wasn't like the best thing ever. And now, like Sundays, like not that I don't like my family, like I like hanging out with my family, but Sunday Sunday evening comes around. I'm just so excited to get back in the office and get back to work.
3: Honestly, you know, they say you don't work a day in your life if you're doing what you love. That's yeah. it. Like there are times where I don't even know when the weekends are here. I'm just happy writing, doing whatever. You know, last night it was from eight till like nine thirty. I was on a fatherhood Zoom, so I'm, I'm working with these men. You know, there's there's ten guys on. We're talking about fatherhood and ways to be better fathers. And I started my day today with one of the FOE men. I brought the so I've got a TV in the shed. I brought the TV into the kitchen. I put my laptop. I got my my lights and my microphone. And one of the F.O.E. men was in my kitchen this morning teaching my children and myself how to make bread because we're homeschooling now. (laughs) And, dude, we made two loaves of bread. I made two more loaves right after. So I went from a night with these men talking fatherhood. My wife was watching one of her shows. I went in. We hung out, woke up. She went to see one of her people for lunch. And (laughs) one of the F.O.E. guys taught us how to make bread. And that's my life. You can't make this up, man.
0: (laughs) That's that's hilarious. I totally have that image in my head, <laughs> like a baker. Did it turn out well? Was it good bread? Oh, it's, we we finished it. Yeah, it's gone. It was delicious. Okay, cool. So uh, next, I want to talk a little bit about software. I'm thinking Craig's probably the best one to that is to mostly excellent <laughs> talk assumption about that. <laughs> I still don't so, know how it works. Yeah. So the tech side of stuff, like to, let's go back to like end of 2017. You're thinking about launching this. What, what's going through your head, Craig? About what software you're going to use to execute all this?
2: Yeah, so I I had done some research and I, I hadn't landed on anything yet when when Zach and I decided to take that leap forward and I don't remember the exact date, but we wanted to launch it. It was in December and we wanted to launch it by the end of the year. And I hadn't really gotten too deep into it yet, other than I had planned out some the way the structure of what I wanted the community to look like to to an extent. Let's say maybe eighty percent there. And I, I didn't really have a launch date in my mind at that point. I just knew it was going to be probably sometime early in in twenty eighteen. And when Zach approached me and said he wanted to go for it, I'm like, well, I said, this campaign of 31 Days of Masculinity, December of Discipline, it, it's going to be wrapping up here at the end of the month. How great would it be for us to have something for all of us to just transition over to? And so I, I'm a, a pretty, when I get motivated around something, there's there's not much that will stand in my way. And so I said, yeah, I'll get it done. Uh, I didn't sleep very much at all for the for the two or three weeks after that. Um, I think if I remember right, it was like December 10th or or thereabout that we made that decision. And by Christmas Eve, we had the doors open and we're accepting members into the, into the community. And at this point, just to give some, some background, this wasn't a, uh, a Slack forum. Uh, I don't, I don't even have Slack considered a forum. That's what I always call it, whatever, a, a chat forum or whatever you want to call it. Right. This wasn't that, this wasn't something that was already built. So what I had put in place over that two week period was a membership site that uh, I, I went out research some themes. So I had a theme. I had a bunch of different plugins that I had to bring in in place. I uh, hired a, a developer on either Upwork or Fiverr. I can't remember to help me with some of the some of the back end stuff that was beyond my my competencies. We had a, a full on forum inside of, of our of our paywall on the website. We had a a chat window that the men could create their own discussion groups and their own DMs and whatnot with one another. And so there were a lot of lot of things and patches in place that I had, had researched and, and gotten on there. And, you know, I say all that, like I'm not patting myself on the back because there were a lot of things that I would have done differently. But I also say that, and that I know a lot of your listeners who are considering putting out an online course or putting out a, a membership site, don't let the fear of not being perfect when you launch, keep you from launching. You know, we, there were a lot of road bumps that, that we had to go through. And to be honest, a lot of the things that we improved upon, I wouldn't, I didn't even think about, but once we started getting men inside of our walls, they started seeing things and saying, Hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Hey, I have, I have this, uh, this plugin that I use on my site that works really well for this feature. What do you think? And we quickly improved. I think within the first six months, I mean, it was a complete transformation from what we originally started with, but you have to start somewhere. And so I don't regret that at all. You know, I don't, I don't look back on that and say, man, I mean, the site was ugly it was kind of clunky. I mean, I don't know if you remember it, Jacques. I mean, it was, you know, I had a gold color on there that, you know, again, I quickly threw it together and I was trying to make the colors match with the theme of the logo. The logo, you can see it in the background of my video here. It's completely different. We changed that because the original one didn't, didn't really look the part of what we were going for. Um, but I guess my advice would be don't, don't let these little hiccups keep you from, from moving forward. And uh, as far as the, like the paywall, we have a uh, uh, paid memberships pro. Plugin that integrates with Stripe, and so that's that's still how we handle things today. We actually have one of our members who's a an expert at backend web design, so he's designing us a custom uh, website that's going to have a lot more functionality than what we currently have today, and, and a lot more automation. Uh, so we're, I'm looking forward to that. It should be should be ready to uh, go out in beta release here in the near future.
0: But the main thing today, and, and what you switched over to eventually is Slack. I mean that's 99 of what FOE as far as the software goes is. Is that correct?
2: That that's ninety percent of where the day-to-day conversations take place is on Slack. And then like I said, we have basically a, a daily Zoom session that somebody hosts and that's that's the other predominant place where where we congregate. And what I had in place originally was a was a forum that I had to completely customize on the site. It was a ton of time and, and so I think it was Zach. He's like, you know, why are we trying to reinvent the wheel here? You know, Slack already has this thing. It's it's you know it's free for the most part and they've already they've already developed all this time and energy and money into developing something that suits our purposes just fine let's let's use that and when we switched over the response was overwhelming the men really really enjoyed that uh, that platform a lot better than what, what we had in place before
0: the typical use case for slack that i've seen is is company teams i mean that's what my company uses to to communicate with each other and it's not necessarily like a paid community platform uh, not th- not to say i haven't heard of it other than you guys using it but why Slack instead of one of these software packages that are designed for specifically this, like a Mighty Networks, or there's a lot more that are coming out now, Circle, Honeycomb, things like that. Why Slack versus those?
2: I'm not, I'm not that familiar with the ones you just mentioned, Jacques, so I don't know if they have apps. But one of the, one of the uh, alluring features of Slack was it had an app that guys could stay connected on their phone all day, every day. Um where before we had everything on the website you had to get into a browser, log into the site, and it just wasn't very user friendly where slack is very user friendly they can get on their app they can get notifications uh through that and I know you know you had you had helped us a little bit trying to develop an app and you know you you kind of saw behind the the background how cumbersome all of that was and what we had in place and what we needed and and i you know I don't know how much time you spent on it I'm sure it was a considerable amount of time and you know what slack had was was already pretty good. So it, it, it suited our needs just fine for where we were.
0: I, I made you guys an app man. You did. I made, and it never launched and that I, I was so disappointing. <laughs> it
2: looked <laughs> great though. <laughs> I
0: think Thank that's you.
3: why it took so long for us to make it onto the podcast. <laughs> that that wound is finally healed. <laughs> there are two things that I, I kinda wanted to highlight though from from Craig's point. You know, the first is when you build something, you know, going back to my joke earlier about it being your baby, you know, you're gonna be very attached to it. The greatest thing we did was just let the guys go in and not let perfect be the enemy of good enough. We're like, this is good enough. It'll host you. Come on in. And they did the work for us. They did the testing for us. This, this is terrible. This is great. Fix this. That's garbage. I love this. It took it out of our hands. We're like, oh, cool. We can do all that. Boom. Thank you for giving us our work list. Done. If we hadn't let them in because we were trying to fine tune it and we spent another three weeks fine tuning and then they came in and said the same things. Well, what was the point of those three weeks? Just cause in our head, it's perfect. What is the user thinking? And it's about them. It's not about yourself. That's the first. The second thing for anybody that's in a partnership, that discussion that I had with Craig was was horrible. I knew, and similar to the discussion we had with you in the app, you know, that's not; those aren't fun discussions to say. Hey, I know you just poured your heart and soul to do the very best you could do to help me. I don't like it. It's not working. The guy, it's not working here. I'm struggling. Like I don't want to say nobody wants to be that guy, but at the end of the day, you have to look at what's the goal. The goal is not to say I built a custom app. The goal is to say we have an app that works with the men, and that was a difficult conversation. So. Like you're saying, Sunshine and Rainbows. I'm thinking of all those discussions, you know, I've had with him, he's had with me. And it's just like you're butting heads, but you're both going in the right direction. That doesn't mean that arguments aren't the end of the world. You know, just because you disagree on something, it's like, oh, you know, throw it in the trash, we're done. And I think a lot of people, they they get very emotionally attached to things. And I think that's where we've both done well is being able to put our specific angle aside and focus on what the end goal is. And for anybody listening, you know, if the end goal is to have a great membership community. That needs to be your focus always. That's always priority one. How are the members going to take this? What can you do to help them?
0: Last software question real quick, probably. Um, I'm curious if you guys are even paying for Slack.
2: No, we have the free version. And the paid version of Slack is is actually quite cost prohibitive. I mean, it's something like uh, I, don't, I don't know the exact number, so I, I apologize if this is wrong, but something like seven ninety nine per member per month. Right. And so when you have one hundred and sixty plus members, that you know, cuts into your revenues quite a bit. And so we, we haven't gotten to the point where really we can even justify that. Um, it doesn't give you for what we do, it doesn't give you that much functionality. It'll it'll allow you to store more images and have more historical um data as far as as keeping the chat messages around and searchable. So we 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 have struggled with that a little bit. You know, somebody will post post some piece of advice uh inside of a, a channel that's just absolute gold and it's it's there for three months and then it drops off and someone's like, man, where was that? I could really use that uh use, use that right now. I'm struggling with with whatever it was and it's gone. Um so we've had some struggles on that front, but they've been pretty few and far between.
0: Yeah, I mean I've I've looked at that too because our my my team for my company is still using the free version of slack as well and a lot of software like that it's like you pay per user per month and so my team is like six people so it wouldn't be extravagant but I mean how, how many active members do you guys have right now it's around 160 160 so that would be that would be extravagant I would say
2: exactly and like I said we have I, I don't know the exact number say 20 to 30 members are paying that amount per month so that would just be gone right you know for their payment so it again becomes cost prohibitive
0: but some of those other platforms that I mentioned earlier cost fifty to a hundred dollars a month, like a, like a Mighty Networks or a Circle or something. Whereas with Slack, I mean, you guys are running a hundred and sixty person, really successful community on free software. Like if somebody's getting started, they want to do a community, they they're kind of bootstrapping it. It sounds like Slack would be actually a great place to start, even if you're not there long term. Great place to start. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd
2: agree. Yeah, I, 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 again. It's a few pain points, but not at all a distraction to what we're trying to build inside of that community or the experience that, that we want to give to the men.
0: Earlier, one of you said, and I can't remember which one it was, but I wrote this down. You said value goes up as more people join. Yeah, Who said be, that? Was it you, Craig? Think, yeah. There's got to be a limit though, right? I mean, are, are you worried about ever having too many people in there? I love that you brought this
2: up because this was one of our one of our growing pains that we went through, and and we we brainstormed and eventually uh, came to a solution that I think has worked very well. So yes, I mean everybody's probably aware of you know you can only you can only build relationships with so many people. I think there's what is it Dunbar's number or whatever, but there's a certain amount of people that you can build relationships with, and so um, I don't think we hit that threshold yet. I think at at 160 we're still we're still at the point where uh, it's getting a lit was getting a little difficult for men to really build those relationships with one another. Uh, but it wasn't impossible yet. Uh, but we saw, I don't know, maybe after about a hundred that it did start to get more difficult and especially for new members, they would come in and just be very overwhelming. You know, they're coming in and they're like, man, I'm, I'm one guy. And here's a hundred men who have been in here for months or years who already know each other. They're already cracking inside jokes. And I'm, and I'm trying to make my way into this community and figure out where I fit. And so after getting some feedback from several members who who left the community, and others who who were sticking around and they were just wanting to tell us where we could improve, Uh, we actually moved to a team structure. And so we we, we tapped the shoulders of five of our brothers and assigned them as team leaders, and they run their own team. So we still have the overarching community where we engage on most of the Slack channels, but we also have separate channels for each of the teams. Each of those team leaders have their own weekly video chats specific to their team, They'll run discussions on their own specific themes and things that the men inside of that specific team are struggling with. Uh, some of the guys have even brought in, you know, subject matter experts from outside of the community. I, I don't know, um, how many of, of your listeners might know these names, but, you know, Tanner Guzzi, big on, you know, masculine Tanner Guzzy's been on the, he has. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. they're familiar. So we've had Tanner Guzzi come in and, and do a Q and A with the men. We've had Ed Lattimore, uh, come in and do a Q and A with the men, Alexander Cortez. So, um, these team leaders have, have really done a lot to add value and help to break up that large group and allow the men to have more intimate settings with one another so they can bond and build those relationships that are essential for what we're trying to build.
0: So it is the thought is that as you continue to grow, you can just add more teams. It's not like you're always going to have just five teams. Exactly. Very interesting. Exactly
2: right. And the, the goal, I don't remember the exact number we set, but I think the, the goal was to keep those teams at at 40 or less.
0: Very cool. Hunter. I mean, Zach, yeah. let's guy? talk about your name. I do get questions from people like starting out, they don't have an online business yet. They're like, should I use my real name? Not my real name. I've, I've had people on the podcast who have like a pen name. I originally knew you as Hunter, right? Now I think you, I'm, I'm assuming Zach's your real name.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's the plot twist.
0: <laughs> Tell us the story about having a pen name and then not having a pen name.
3: Oh, absolutely. Zach is my name. My name is Zachary Small. That's on my birth certificate. That's my real name. Hunter, though, Hunter is the name I was going to give my son or my next child if it wasn't you know, my daughter. My daughter came out. Her name's Ava, little lady. She's great. If she was a boy, though, it would have been Hunter Drew. So when she came out as a girl, I kind of kept that name. It was a strong name. I was going to give it to my kid. When I first started, though, and for anybody else that's kind of asking that question, You know, should I go out with my name? Do I want the notoriety, depending on your subject matter? You know, I came from a community talking about uh, men's rights, men's issues, men's health, things like that. And I just had a username. It was uh, Training the Brain. So I was on Reddit and I was just saying, yeah, I'm I'm training my brain. I'm I'm here to learn and write, (laughs) you know? And then I started the Family Alpha blog. And I was like, well, I I need a name, like not just a handle. And so I went with Hunter Drew because at the time I was still in the military. And you're not allowed to have political opinions. And some of the things I was writing about had obviously my opinion attached to them. And it was my hope that, you know, I'm not going to ruin my career over a tweet or a blog post, you know, cause that's Hunter and it's not going to be connected to me. It definitely would have, but what in my head, I was safe. So I kept going with that. And then things grew. And, you know, like I said, I didn't enter this field, you know, armed with the knowledge as to what's how software even worked. I, I turn the laptop on, I use the laptop. I'm a writer, I'm really good at writing, I'm a leader, I'm really good at leading, and I'm a very empathetic person, so I, I can connect with people. That you know trio, that trident right there is how I got to where I am, and so it it took off much faster than I thought. All of a sudden, I'm like, I've got to have plugins to my my blog. People are paying me, and it's just it really kind of got out of control for myself, and it just went way bigger than I thought it would, and I was a a a known entity on Twitter. And then I ran a campaign I had created. I wrote a book, 31 days to masculinity. And that's actually the first time I almost dropped the pen name is because I wanted to publish as myself. I kind of had that complex. I was proud of my work, but it wasn't really my work. I couldn't tell my parents what I was doing. I couldn't like people had no idea where my money was coming from, you know, for a while. And they're like, what do you do? You just like disappear in your shed and you come out and you're like, Hey, I'm back. <laughs> it was weird, but I kept the pen name and I created, I gave speeches. And recently with Corona, I was self-employed. So I left my nine to five in June of 2019. Uh, corona hit, I think March is when things kind of hit the fan. And that was the point I had always been struggling with this. And somebody had shared something on Twitter where they said, you know, I, I feel so disconnected and these these quarantines are really getting to me. And it was somebody I respected. And it was somebody that I, I, I always kind of looked up to. I, I really admire this person. I was like, wow, like they're really struggling with this. And I mean, I had my wife, my kids, we were fine. Everything was cool here in Rhode Island. So I was like, now is the time to connect. I'm, I'm self-employed. I don't have an employer. You know, the world is so distracted with what's this virus that nobody's really going to even pay attention when I do it. You know, so I was like, all right, I'm Zach now. And I just signed a tweet, Zach. And one of the guys in FOE, like within a minute hit me up. He's like, dude, you just said Zach on Twitter. You know, you're supposed to put Hunter. Hunter. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm coming out. I'm coming out of the electronic <laughs> closet. <laughs> so I did, and I, I dropped everything. And I'm actually still in the process. Uh, this week, I'm taking down 31DTM, republishing as Zach. Uh, my Gumroad course, taking that down, republishing as Zach. My whiteboard has this list of all these hunter things I've got to fix and turn to Zach. But it's it's very liberating. And if I could go back, I would have been Zach the entire time. That's one of the biggest mistakes I've made in this whole process is not just owning the message and everything that comes with it because we think it's such a large deal. And for anybody that's on this, they're building up, you know, I can't really be me or I shouldn't be me, whether it's the subject matter expert or they don't think they're they're qualified or uh, the topics they're even talking about. Maybe that's an issue. They don't want associated with their name for SEO reasons. But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to just have to own it. Like it is you. And instead of somebody else finding out and, and kind of throwing it back on you and kind of doxing you in that way. You just own it and it's your decision to make. You know, you are you, you're writing this, you're creating this course. It's a beautiful thing. What issue would you have? And this is coming from a guy who lived it for five years. So I can see the other side of the coin as much as I'm arguing being authentic now.
0: Have I ever told you guys that Jacques not necessarily my real name? I knew that. I did not know that. I've probably never mentioned on the podcast either. So this is breaking news to my listeners. Hundred and fifty seven episodes in. um, It is my middle name, but it's not my first name. And most of my friends, and my wife, and every my family don't call me Chuck. And to your point, Zach, like I was kind of scared to put myself out there back in twenty thirteen. What are my coworkers going to think? Like, oh, he's, he's supposed to be an electrical engineer. Why is he making piano videos on the internet? Right. So I didn't necessarily want the name that they associated me with to be associated that that same name on the internet. And for me, I felt like, and for me, it was kind of too late to go back once I was more confident in it. But fortunately, unlike you, it, it is part of my name. Like Jacques is my middle name. Hopkins is my last name. But I, I've been there, man. And it's. Uh, I, I can only imagine what you're going through right now having to change your name everywhere. Dude, the links,
3: it's, it's the links, man. There's so many links that are jacked up right now. It's ridiculous. Our sales
2: page for Fraternity of Excellence still has Hunter on it. We, we haven't updated that yet because we have a video on there. And yeah, we, we got to get that changed. But yeah, it's on my list. <laughs> I, I use a loose pen name as well, Jacques, So so don't feel bad, man.
0: Yeah, yeah well, I know. I know about that, yeah. too. Do you have do you have any thoughts about the pen name or have we, have we touched on all of it?
2: No, I, I did it for some more reasons you did. I mean, I still have a day job. I don't really I would say at this point, if I were to redo it, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't really care per se, but at the time I was working for a large company and kind of exactly along the lines, probably that you were thinking, I didn't want you know somebody to find what I, so I had a fitness blog for like 10 years before I moved into the, to the space of masculinity and, and, you know, masculine development. And that was under my real name. My real name is Craig, Craig Leonard. So James Craig Leonard is my, is my full name. I don't, I don't care to share it. Basically the reason that I, that I went with Craig James. So I actually go by my middle name, Craig, and then James is my first name. So I just swap the two. And the reason I changed it was more just I didn't want people to easily find me. If somebody were to come across my work, I don't necessarily care. But when I was running my fitness blog, I just got tired of people from work finding something that I would post and they'd argue with me about my thoughts on on fitness and and you know, supplements or whatever. Or you know, and I didn't when I started doing this this project along the realms of masculine development. It was just kind of a, a way to you know. I, I have family members that follow. My dad follows me on Twitter. I, my sister in law follows me on Twitter. My brother in law. Fo- so like people have found me. And I don't mind. I just wanted to to make it harder for you know my employer, people that I work with, and family members to, to know what I was doing. And if they came across my work, so be it.
0: I think far more people in the online business space are using some sort of like other name than we, than we even realize. I mean, look at the, the three of us here.
2: <laughs> well, and let's be honest. I mean, if, if I were to want to change jobs right now, if, if somebody, the stuff that I post, I would say is not, the stuff Zach posts is, is more racy than anything I post for the most part. But, uh, you know, some
3: just throwing it out there and just throwing me under the bus.
2: <laughs> some feminist in, in HR would definitely take exception to some things that I've written. And so it, it definitely could prove risky for me because I I do still have a day job. I haven't quite made that transition to uh, doing this full time yet. So um, it, it's a risk mitigation strategy as well.
0: Guys, let's talk about live events next. Uh, Zach, you can start it off, but I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this. How important do you think is integrating live events to a community like this? I want to specify. So a main event, we have FOE main events where the whole community comes
3: together and that's twenty, twenty-five plus getting together. Between those events, we have a lot of regional events. So those I think are the that's like the mortar holding the bricks. Those main ones are huge. It's good to see everybody come together. You know, but the mortar, you know, what really makes it stick is all these dinners you see these men having. Going and getting cigars, you know, meeting up with their kids to go sailing. These men are meeting up across the globe, across the nation, and they they're having meals. They're, they're showing uh, photo evidence. Hey, I met this guy shaking hands. Hey, I met this person. And it really brings a true connection to your membership. Your members are truly connected. You know, Zoom is great. Zoom is an excellent alternative if you physically cannot get to one another due to geographical location. But if you're building a membership community the way we are, where it's it's built on the person's built on lifestyle, you know, you have to show up, you know, you have to sort of show the receipts that you are who you say you are. Because month after month after month, you're sharing your story and that's great. But when you shake a hand, it's entirely different. It truly cements your inclusion in that group. You know, you have an FOE coin. You only have that because we met, you know, and that's just, that's something I I take great pride in is when we get together and we have those, those bonds. I call it consummating the friendship. So when you say live events, large ones are fantastic. They're great. But to be able to meet throughout the months, you know, I I truly think that's what has kept this community going where several others have fallen off
0: yeah and i've done I've done both within uh, FOE because a couple year or two ago I was uh, visiting my wife's sister in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. We go there all the time, but I knew from the group that a couple of guys lived up there, so uh, I pinged them and said, "Hey, you know I'll be up I'll be up there. y'all want to grab lunch. So I met a couple of guys up there we I think we snapped a photo and posted it in the slack and that was that was really cool because I don't know a lot of people in Huntsville, but then i I, I did know two people, two guys in Huntsville and then i also went to uh, to one of the more main events as well and i got to tell you like it's always it's always fun to meet people in person that you've you've had a relationship with on a computer screen right especially just like through chat functions and not as much zoom i'm not the great zoom participant but within slack you see the people's avatar and then all of a sudden you're meeting everybody and and then it's like you know shake jack's hand and he's like so much taller than you expected it's amazing
2: yeah and to, to breach a subject that's not as a, and I'll change the subject off of that, Zach. We'll, we'll move off of your, <laughs> of your stature <laughs> from a business side, you know, it's something that, you know, a little bit, uh, maybe a breach of etiquette because money is not, is not the primary reason that, that Zach and I built the community. It's not what keeps us motivated and engaged right now, but there is a business aspect to it that I'm sure your listeners care about. And I mean, that's, that is, that is a reason that people get into building membership communities. Uh, and, you know, when you when you build those relationships with the people inside of your community, when you're shaking their hands, when you genuinely want to invest in getting to know them and helping them a, as individuals and, and them, you our retention rate inside of FOE is is absolutely amazing. You know, I was digging into the numbers uh, the other day and, you know, I, I mentioned already the the monthly rate that people pay anywhere from nine ninety nine to, to seventy seven bucks a month. Our uh, average customer value is over twelve hundred dollars. And so the men who are joining our community, they are, they are coming in and they are sticking around. And a big reason for that is the relationships that they are developing with the other members. Uh, once you have that bond and that sense of community, uh, that's something you don't want to lose.
0: Well, on that note, I mean, I-, I wanted to ask you guys about churn because I don't have a lot of experience with membership sites. My piano course is a one-time fee. And yes, there are like community membership aspects, like people can get to know each other a little bit. But I don't have to worry about if people are going to stick around month to month to month. They've already paid me what they're going to pay me. So it's great that that you guys don't lose members very often. But are you doing anything intentional other than just having an amazing membership?
3: No, I mean, it, it, mean to retain
0: to retain men? Yes, to, to prevent uh, churn as much as possible.
2: I mean, I, I'll, I'll speak, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. But I mean, the the way that that I feel that we attack that is just by offering as much value as we can to the men that enter. I mean, it is that's our priority, and if we do that right, I mean, the the business side is going to take care of itself.
3: No, I, I agree. You know, when you look at it, there are there are a lot of processes out there designed to to really catch people. You know, there are certain funnels, there are certain you know follow up actions, there are certain sequences. You can put a lot of things in place to really get people either to to get in, and then when they leave, to come back in. And we don't. You come in because you need something from us, and if you leave, we weren't right for you, and that's okay. You know, go find what is right for you. And a lot of men will come in. Uh, it's not for me. To leave and then come back in. You know what? It was right for me. I was missing this. I didn't think I needed it. And when they come in that second time, it's it's almost even more like commitment because now they're like, all right, I know what I'm getting myself into. I know what's expected of me, and that unknown is removed. But as far you know, when it comes to retaining guys, like we we offer value. We we help you change and fix your situation, whatever that may be, and you do the work. And some guys do the work and leave, and that's okay. That's why we're here. We're not here to to create you know lifelong uh, members. You know, some will be that because they enjoy the community. Some just need it
0: for whatever phase they're going through. So FOE is a tool
3: to be used by men.
0: Yeah, and there was one more thing about the um, the live meetups that I wanted to mention. I, I'm actually evaluating different platforms right now because I think. My course has outgrown what I am on. And uh, one feature that I have seen in, in some community platforms that I definitely would like as a part of mine is you can actually go to the member list and then filter by um, location. And I think that would be really cool for, for my audience to be able to see who is around them instead of like having to type it out. Hey, I am from New Orleans. Anybody else here? But if you can filter out and see it and then arrange your own meetups, that would be really cool. Do you guys have any features like that, Craig?
2: It is, it is upcoming. So we, we did try, we were using, uh, I think it was Google maps. They had, they had, a an integration onto our website that I was using and it worked. Okay. The problem was, is, you know, you, you mentioned churn every time somebody would leave, it was a manual process of having to go on there and remove their location. Every time somebody joined, having to reach out to them and get their location, if they were willing to share it, some weren't. Um, and so part of that, that upcoming redesign that, that I mentioned earlier is going to have an integration where men are going to have a profile. They can enter that information if they so choose. And then we'll have uh, a map that will be integrated into the website where they can see where the various brothers are located.
0: Cool. Next, I would like to talk about trolls. So the question is, do you have trolls? Do you get trolls? And if so, how do you deal with them? Zach? Uh, Negative. Not inside the walls.
2: We don't suffer fools
0: well, I, I'm, I guess I'm more referring to outside the walls. Oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my, my community is great. Like Nobody really gives me a hard time within my community, but I get a lot of hate from other piano teachers, just people that are uppity about classical piano music. Like I, I get a lot of trolls and haters. When you said no, it caught me off guard, but I think we're on the same page now. Yes. You get them. Within the walls, them. no trolls. Outside the walls. <laughs> and this is interesting. I'm surprised you get hate from
3: other piano teachers. Oh because, man,
0: you you would be surprised at the language they use toward me.
3: That's ridiculous. Yeah, I I would expect they'd want you to thrive because you winning means they win. Unless they're thinking you winning, you're taking their clients. You know your 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 system is stealing from them, and you're not a true piano. T- like I don't even know yeah. what kind of flex they would show in your area.
0: You got to think about my brand name. They see the brand name. It's like, are you serious? This kid's coming through and saying he can teach you in 21 days. When like I have students that I've taught for 20 years. It's like. Somebody's coming in and undermining their whole life, basically.
3: Maybe that's why we get along. Have you read my book? 31 Days to Being a Man. (laughs) One month, I can turn you into a man. (laughs) But seriously, I've not caught any flack from anybody else that runs a group. So when it comes to trolls, not a single negative word has come from, uh, there's Jack Murphy, Ryan Mickler, Elliot Hulse. Uh, There are several others I'm not thinking of. They've all helped me. They've all offered advice, you know, throughout the years, they've all, you know, uh, promoted or shared my work. So on that end, negative.
2: And, and we've helped them as well.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we've we pushed them. You know, I helped Jack when he was creating it. Ryan helped us with uh, the teams. You know, there's so much brotherly love going on there. The trolls, the issues we see, a lot of people don't like uh, the fact that it's an all male space. And that that immediately spins it towards there's some sort of compensation, you know, like, what, what are you, what are you going in there? You know, it's just the, the boys club and what are you guys being men and cooking steaks? And I don't even know half the stuff they say, but yeah, people have an issue that it's all men, you know, and they have an issue that we're charging at all for it. They're saying that you got to pay for friendship. You know, there's, there's a lot of angles they take and it's, it's unfortunate that their first notion is to go to that angle. You know, that's where they're programmed to just see the negative of it, where I can't help it. Like I shared with the, the man who we all rallied around him and helped him, you know, kick his career off. That's what I see. So yeah, there's going to be pushback, but if you aren't ready to be the wall for your membership, you're going to have a hard time running a membership. That you get all the perks of being the leader, but heavy is the head that wears the crown. If somebody comes after 21, you're the community for 21, Jacques, you got to step up to the plate. That's your job to protect them. You know, and for Craig and I, we don't take that lightly. That's our responsibility. That when when people are slamming FOE, you know, we we come back twice as hard. And out of the few, well, you have, you know, how big Craig is. It's a big dude, I, you know. He, <laughs> I don't want to mess with them. So yeah, we we do catch trolls, but we don't care. We keep winning regardless.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I've I've gotten a lot better at dealing with it, and not I used to let it affect me personally when people would say negative things about me and my brand, but I don't anymore. But I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with is is once they start putting themselves out there on the internet, they weren't they're not ready for any sort of negative criticism, All right? So so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Greg. If you if you've had that experience and and what your advice would be to somebody kind of just starting out on how to handle the negative criticism.
2: I was pretty, uh, I, I would say I was ready for that. You know, as somebody who converted to Christianity somewhat later in life and a lot of my friends were not on board with that decision. Uh, I, I caught a lot of, a lot of mocking and negative criticisms and things like that for, for that decision. So I, I, I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't a stranger to you know having people mock me for the things that I was doing in life. Um, and so I, I would say you know, my experience up to that point of developing this community or even getting started, you know, with a social media presence, you know, mine is not nearly as, as large as Zach's. I think, what are you at now? Like 25,000 Twitter followers or something like that. I'm, I'm at 11. But as, as that grows, you know, you, you get a lot of great interactions with people. You get a lot of, of staunch followers who love what you're doing and, and they go out of their way to let you know. Uh, but you also get a lot of people who they're, they're just dark spirits, man. They have nothing better to do and it somehow makes them feel more justified with their lot in life and the misery that they're feeling to be able to pass some of that on to somebody else. And so you just have to recognize that for what it is. Yeah. I mean, I I get it. Um, I, I get that, uh, that hate and that vitriol spewed my direction, but you really just have to recognize it for what it is and move on. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't add any value to my life to engage those people. I mean, you, you block and move on and, and you focus on the people who are resonating with what it is you're doing with the value that you're bringing to the world. And if, if uh, somebody doesn't see that, that's fine. There's no hard feelings, but I'm also I'm not going to waste my time on you either. You know, I have, I have other people who who need what I have to offer, and I'm going to focus on them.
0: Well said. Um, okay, so I don't have a partnership with anybody like you guys do, and and it's it's very clear that that you each have your strengths and you make that work together, and it's very very synergistic and very positive. But there's a lot of partnerships that that don't work that blow up. I've heard very bad stories about partnerships not working out. What advice do you have for somebody um, on making a, a, like a business partnership work, Craig? Hmm.
2: And you know, Zach mentioned we've we've had our blowups. I mean, there 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 was a, a time where you know <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were gonna we were gonna keep moving forward as a partnership. Uh, we've we've gotten through that, and we're better than ever now. But you you have to you have to set expectations very clearly from the outset. That the bumps that he and I have encountered, I, I would say that is what what it was attributable to. It was. We weren't setting expectations with each other. Again, we're both very busy. We both have, you know, this common mission that we're working toward and we all, we both have our own missions that we're working toward. And so it was uh, really easy for us to both kind of just go our own directions while we're still both running FOE and engaging in there and not take the time to make sure that we are regularly meeting with one another you know, focusing on what it is we're building, what's the direction we want to go, making sure we're on the same page, making sure decisions that, that one of us is making is not compromising something the other one is working toward and create some bad blood in that, in that area. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to happen if, if you're not intentional about setting those boundaries and expectations up front, which again, we, we made that mistake and I don't think we'll make it again. And and we haven't, that was quite a while ago, but uh, setting expectations, making it very clear where the roles that each other has, you know, early on, he and I struggled with, you know, who was doing what we both were trying to jump in there and be, be the alpha leader of the group, you know, and, and over time it became very clear that, that his role was more to be the vocal one and the one who jumps in when, when fires need put out. And I was better in the background dealing with, dealing with the issues that were happening on a technical side or after the fact, you know, giving some input on the side where where needed. And so, uh, a lot of that does happen organically, but good communication, setting of expectations, is absolutely critical for any partnership, wh- whether it's online business or otherwise.
0: Zach, do you agree, or is he just completely wrong? He he missed the mark on all of that.
2: <laughs> it sounded great, yeah. I hope. It,
0: it, no, it was,
3: it was it was awesome. I agree. You know that that's the biggest issue our many will face, and they're probably going to even after hearing this, you're going to find yourself in a position where you just assume you know what the other person's doing or what they're thinking, but you never say it. You know, and some of our issues where we were both trying to do everything and therefore not we were half assing at all instead of doing really well at the one thing we should be doing. You know, and it's just one of those things like, hey, I thought you were doing this. I thought you were. Oh, well, nobody did it. Great. You know, and it's trial and error, trial and error. You know, you keep going through the paces, but transparency is key. Hey, I think this it disagrees with, with, with the actions you're taking. What do you think? All right. How can we align? All right, cool. Let's do this thing then. You know, you can't assume others can read your mind. And like Craig said, that, w- that was part of our learning curve was to just say the thing instead of think the other
0: person just knows it. Got it. Well, guys, uh, this has been truly a pleasure. I've kind of gotten through all my notes here. Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to do is just give you each the floor one more time to, um, you know, if there's any any thoughts you'd like to share that that hasn't come up yet with this particular audience for those that are thinking of, of getting into online business courses, memberships, or a lot of people listening to this have courses and memberships already. And then just uh, let people know how they could connect with you online, what that Twitter handle was that you have millions of followers on <laughs> and uh, and and how they could get um, more information about uh, the, the membership you guys are running as well. So Zach, why don't you start it off? Absolutely.
3: So if, for those looking to run a membership course, Understand that you have the opportunity to create the slice of internet you've always wanted. You know, a lot of people, when you, when you create a course, you create something that it's fleshed out and you give it away and it's, it's gone and it grows and people will learn from it. And that's fantastic inside a membership community. It's about the relationship. It's not about the product so much as the relationship you form or you get others to form within, you know, and a, a lot of people see a lot of issues with what's going on in the electronic world. And here's an opportunity for you to remove, you know, the, the wall or the rule of proximity and you can connect with people all over the world and, and you can like, like today I had a man in Arizona teach my children how to make bread and I'm in Rhode Island. You know, you can't make it up. You know, you truly can not create the, the internet you wish you always had as for, you know, finding me, my writing is at the dot and on my Twitter, it is at Zach small underscore.
2: Yeah. The uh, I guess last piece of advice that I'd like to offer for anybody who has a membership site uh, or is thinking about building one, the biggest biggest piece of advice that I can give is to make sure that you treat the successes of those that are in your community as your own, because the two are inextricably linked. The men who come in, if if Zach and I see that they're not following the code of honor that we that we have in place, if they're not getting to work, if they're not engaging with the men, we call them out, and we have kicked men out of our community who have consistently failed to uphold. Uh, the values that we are all striving toward inside of that community. That is a reflection of our product and every man inside of there and the successes that they achieve or don't achieve is a reflection of of our product. And so treat the successes of those who are in your community as your own. Go out of your way to help those who are struggling. Go out of the way to, you know, don't just discard when somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I'm really struggling or here's something you could do to help me. You know, yes, people, a lot of people are always looking for more and more and more gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, but sometimes they have a valid point and and you need to be willing to hear what they have to say and sometimes change course a little bit because at the end of the day the success of those inside of your community is your own um as far as where you can find me my handle on twitter is masculine design uh the website is masculinebydesign.com I predominantly uh write on topics that are related to marriage fatherhood men's issues um i have a newsletter there that that you can sign up for yeah, I, I am on Instagram. I don't post as much on there. And if any of any of you are men who are listening to this and you're interested in joining the community that Zach and I have, have described for you today, you can find that at fraternityofexcellence.com.
0: Well, guys, I was really hoping you could uh, share some really good insights for the listeners on running successful membership. And you have absolutely done that. Thank you so much for your time today and and being so open and honest and willing to share such great advice and, and tips uh, based on your experience. So uh, appreciate it, guys, and hopefully we can do it again. Thanks, Thank Zach. It was a pleasure. David, that was that was the conversation with Zach and Craig. Welcome back. Thank you. Give, give me your, start giving me your thoughts. What, what did you think as a former just podcast listener? Now for the past uh, fifty episodes or so, you know, co-host. Uh, I like to just toss it to you first, and and that's why we do it this way. It's like okay, now now we get some immediate feedback from somebody other than myself. Like, what's your thoughts? What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, I really enjoyed the conversation and I found myself uh, looking into this program, this fraternity of excellence and trying to figure out if it's something that's right for me. Um, certainly I think that, that male friendship is, uh, tricky. It can be hard to make good guy friends. Uh, we're kind of awkward animals, quite frankly. And, uh, so yeah, I was just, I was just curious uh, a little bit more about, What attracted to you this? Like, were you in a fraternity in college? Or what was the most specific thing that you were seeking at the point that you uh you joined the fraternity of excellence?
0: So I was not in a fraternity uh in college. Believe it or not, I was not as cool as I am today. I was I was pretty (laughs) kind of sheltered and, and introverted. I'm still pretty introverted today. And and it wasn't necessarily the name that drew me in. I was I was following Craig's stuff already. I was following his podcast. I really enjoyed his message and who he was. So I was interested in what he was going to come out with as far as a a program goes. Um, And I was pretty skeptical at first, like I said, on on the intro, it's like, I was expecting some sort of online course, like I want to learn from Craig, and even Mm -hmm. Zach, like, hey, what, how can I be a better father? How can I be a better, better husband? How can I be a, a better man? You know, how can I be a better, better at my job? You know, uh, with my health, you know all of those, and I wanted to learn from those guys, but as it turns out, what they rolled out was a a community uh, of men helping each other, which was really cool, so I was initially intrigued just because I wanted to learn from those guys, and mm-hmm. then I stuck around because well, two reasons: one is it was it was it was different than what I expected, but still very equally cool and neat and two is they they reached out to me pretty early on about um putting together some sort of app. For them and for the Fraternity of Excellence. So myself and um, and somebody who's a little better pro- at programming than, my, than me um, put together an app for them that they never ended up using. But in exchange for that app, I got lifetime access to the Fraternity of Excellence. Okay. So that's you know I'm not I'm not a paying member, but that's it, it's tough because when you get things for free, you don't typically use them as much, and that's exactly where I'm at with with you know Fraternity of Excellence. So. Hopefully that answers your question.
1: <laughs> yeah, that did. And, uh, you know, it kind of jumped ahead to this this concept of, uh, I was very interested to hear about making the app. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, was this something that you spent a lot of time on at one point? Or how long ago was that?
0: Yeah, probably three three years ago, something like that. And I had made an app before. I made an app early, like 2012, before Piano in 21 Days. You know, I, I tried a bunch of different things, a bunch of different business models. And I made this app years ago when I was still working as an electrical engineer where, and it was for me, but I thought there might be a market for it, but it was called Driving Thoughts. Have I told you about this? I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, it's called Driving Thoughts. And it was, so I I write everything down. I mean, you're looking at me right now, I've got a pen and paper and I just, I have a pretty poor, like short-term memory and I just know that about myself. And so if I need to remember something or if I have a to-do, I need to write it down Okay. Or it's gonna be gone. I tell my wife that all the time. Like she's like, Hey, will you make sure to do this? I'm like, Yeah, but like email it to me or write it down for me or make sure I write it down at the very least, or it's not gonna get done. Like, let's just be honest. So I realized that I was good at writing things down everywhere except when I was driving. And I can't I couldn't really do it while I was driving. So I made this app where all you had to do was basically in two clicks, you could have you could record a message of some sort and have it and it would transcribe the message and email it to you. So basically the first click is opening the app and the second click was a huge button. And that's pretty much all the app was. You start clicking the button and as soon as you click, it starts recording. You say your message and then once you go, once your voice stops for like four or five seconds, then it, the app automatically just shuts down and through, I guess it was a Google service I used, it, it'll transcribe it and then email it to you, huh. to your inbox. It was called Driving Thoughts. The, sub, the, the tagline was for when the wheels are turning. You like that? <laughs> that sounds Man. like a billion dollar idea to me. Well, so what happened is I wasn't super business savvy, right? I hadn't had any sort of successful business at all. So I really, I released it as a free app and it probably got 10,000 downloads or so like nothing huge, but it definitely people were using it. But my, my thought was if somehow we could add in advertising to the email that it sends out was what I thought of. But then I just got busy with work and it was just easier to not work on the app mm-hmm. than to work on it. And I used it myself for a couple of years. And then things like this was pre-Siri wow. and, and like, hey, okay, Google, like and those things started rolling out. It's like, okay, now people are just saying, hey, Siri, remind me to whatever. And so in my... You know, I wasn't. I wasn't as driven, I guess, back then to make my own business work, and so I just, I just kind of gave up. It's like, okay, well, these things are better than mine, so I'm giving up. Mm-hmm. Point is, I made an app. I did that one all by myself, and this one I did have a little, a little help. So I, I spent some time on it, and then. Um, yeah. But first, you'll have to unlock your device. Was that was that okay, Google? <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was okay, Google. You gotta that was, leave that okay, in. Okay, let's leave it in. That Where was. That was a delayed reaction from my phone on the OK Google for some reason. And I don't know why I keep saying those words because I'm going to keep activating my phone. <laughs> anyway, um, that's the story with the app.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, that was this discussion. I don't I don't think they use the exact words, but the words are sunk cost fallacy. And that's the idea that uh, when you're a business owner or in life in general, um, once you invest time or money in something, There's this uh, deep-seated desire um, or drive to keep investing in in something, even if it's not working. So that could be a gambler sitting in a slot machine, and they're like, I got to keep playing. Sometime it's going to hit. Keep pulling, keep pulling. Uh, For me, it might be I drive around a parking lot, and I'm looking for the best parking spot. And it's like the more time I spend, the more I'm like, I want a good one. Or even I can picture myself in the card aisle trying to buy the perfect card for my wife. And I'm there like two minutes, then it's five minutes. I'm looking at all these cards and I'm like, maybe there's just not a perfect card here. Like, you know, I just need to. But the more time that I spend, the more I'm like, I want the right card for my wife. Um, but in business, you actually said this in the, the intro before we heard the conversation with Craig and Zach, is that you're going into your current app investigation with this high awareness that you may be sinking. You may be sinking time. You might ultimately sink some money into this decision. And then have to walk away. So, super powerful to recognize that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, I first learned about that, I think, in an economics class. I think it's an economics principle, sunk costs simply that just because whatever you've already invested in it, whether it be time, money, or other resources, that shouldn't really have much of a bearing on your decisions going forward. And, and we have to, um, we have to, to realize that. And that's, that's exactly the state of mind I'm taking with this current app i don't need to force it to make it work for myself i'm not truly going to know if it's the right fit until we build it out and start getting some beta testers in there i feel like 99 confident but if it's just not going to work I, I do have some plan b and c options gotcha
1: yeah and they kind of i mean they did say that for them the slack channel is working and and people love it it's it just works so that would emphasize that you know in a sense the uh, the function is the most important thing for the actual end user.
0: Yeah, exactly. They they were not on Slack originally. They were on some forum plugin and WordPress, and everything just started working for them once they moved over to Slack about six months in. And it's I never really thought about it until talking to them on the podcast on, on this because I've talked to them many times, but I think Slack could be a great you know entry point to a community because it is free. I mean, look, these guys are running a very successful one, 160 people, and still are not on the paid plan. I think we've had one other podcast guest that said they use Slack for their community. He also had a online course as well, but he just he uses Slack for the community. I want to say it was Jason Reznor, and I don't remember what episode it was, but that was the only other instance of Slack for the, for the community. I know there's a lot of course creators that use Slack for their team. I mean, I use it for my team, but I, I never really considered using it for my, for my community. But, but from this conversation, it seems like a great way to at least get started in it.
1: So I found really interesting the discussion of pen names yeah. and uh, you sharing that uh, Jacques is not your real first name. So I don't think in the uh, discussion with Craig and Zach, you actually shared what your first name is or what your family know you by. So you going to share that for the for the listeners? You just want me to give away all my secrets to everybody? Like I can't well, have any I mean, more secrets? May, that's, a, that's a pretty big, uh,
0: pretty big to leave them wondering. You know, it's interesting because my, so Jacques is my middle name. Right, so it's it's actually you know my middle name is Jacques, my last name is Hopkins. So it's not like I created a name. It it would be I feel like it'd be weird to have an actual pin name. And I've had I've had people on this podcast before that I know them as their pin name, and I, I didn't reveal their real name. They don't they don't want their real name to be revealed. But most people know me as Jacques. I mean, it's not even close at this point because all my piano students, all the online course guy people, there there's people certainly plenty of people not online that, that call me Jacques, know me as, as Jacques as well. So it's not a huge deal. But if it was something not on my driver's license, then that would be weird. I mean, I can pull up my driver's license and it says Jacques Hopkins. It's just that Jacques is the middle name. Um, so it was an interesting discussion. Like Zach Small is his real name, but he went by Hunter Drew for for years. And <laughs> I'm sure that was just so confusing for, for him. I'm, I'm filibustering a little bit. Yeah, you got to say it, uh, Greg, Greg, and I'm, Gregory, my wife and mom call me Gregory. And then I have some friends that call me Greg. And then a lot of people call me Jacques. Wow.
1: Well, it's not that hidden, because I was like, I know that his name, I know that his name is something else. Uh, so I figured out where I found it on, like on your Facebook profile, you yes. it says Greg Hopkins yes. afterwards. So it's not like some, it's not like that hard to figure out. No,
0: I'm not like trying to keep it a big secret or anything. Also yeah. on like, if you go to piano in 21 com and click about like it says it says that my real name is Gregory Jacques Hopkins and that I go by Jacques. So if you so the, there's two reasons why I did it that way. One is that I I was a little scared. Like I didn't I was a little embarrassed when I first started having an online business. So I was like well, well let me just go by my middle name, not my first name. But also I was getting into being a piano teacher, right? I didn't use Jacques for any of my other previous businesses. I just felt like it was more elegant. Like Jacques Hopkins was a cool piano teacher name, cooler than Greg Hopkins. So I just went with it.
1: That's interesting. Because, yeah, that's what I assumed the whole thing was like this. Jock Hopkins has a nice ring to it. It sounds
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was thinking, yeah, I'm like, what would my what would my pen name be? And I was like reaching back into the past. I'm like, well, you know, my uh, original AOL instant messenger screen name was Crow's Dog. So uh, <laughs> my first nickname <laughs> in high school swimming, I was crazy, So. Um, I was like, no, I don't think those would be really great pen names. Uh, you know, when I look in the mirror, I kind of feel like I look a little bit like a Thor or an Apollo. So
0: mm. <laughs> think kind of bigger yourself, don't you? <laughs> hey, do you I mean, what's what's wrong with Dr. K? Dr. I K, like Dr. It K. It works. No, I'm not looking for a pen name. <laughs> my AOL instant messenger name was G-Hops. That was kind of my nickname in high school. G-Hops. G-Hops.
1: That's a great one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What else, man? The discussion of the partnership, you know, we've, we've talked about partnerships a little bit in the past. I know at one point on the podcast, I shared that Dave Ramsey's take on partnership is he says, the only ship that doesn't sail is a partnership. Um, I remember when I was going through chiropractic school, we had a business class and this teacher said, he said, I know a lot of you think that going into a partnership is just this perfect idea. Um, I want you to look around the room. He said, I want you to think about a partnership with the seriousness of a marriage. He's like, it's that serious. It's that much of a commitment. And I looked around the room and by that point I had some great friends, some guys that, I mean, we're, we're still friends, great friends, but I'm like, I would not propose to this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, beyond that, even like, you know, a marriage, you're marrying that one person, you do have their extended family. But, um, when you, when you form a partnership, their spouses are, are, can be very much in the mix. Um, The other bit of advice, and this is another uh, kind of direct quote from Dave Ramsey, but he says, when you start to think about forming a partnership, you want to always uh, plan ahead for all the D's, he says. So these are things like death, divorce, drug use, disability, disinterest. And then I just added one uh, as I was reflecting on it, like driving away. So. Let's say you were to start a course with your buddy down the street and you do all your work on the course and your man cave in the garage, you have a great time, hang out, chat, and then the person moves across the country and your only way to communicate is through hours on Zoom. I mean, that might take away the joy. And so, yeah, Dave Ramsey would say, if you're going to do it, you need to plan for all of those.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot. There's, it, it's more than just two partners disagreeing. Like There's a lot of potential problems that, that happen i i'm I'm not a fan of of partnerships in general, like you said dave ramsey is is completely against them. I think they're just just from the evidence I've seen they can work i think it's working for for zach and craig it's it's working for there's a lot of husband and wife partnerships that I've had on the podcast that I don't see how it works, but it works yeah. you know so it can work but I think people do take it for granted that it's just gonna be rainbows and butterflies the whole time without considering the potential problems that could come up. So I I don't, you know, there's, there's somebody out there that's, that's got some really great ideas. um, Who's, I would say far smarter than me that is really wants me to, to start something with him. And I'm just, I'm just not into partnerships. I just don't know that that would work for me.
1: Right. Yeah. And so when Dave Ramsey does talk about it, I mean, he says, you know, again, somebody's feelings are probably going to get hurt, but when you form a partnership, somebody's feelings are probably going to get hurt as well. So he would say, yeah. you know, you can you can have one person be the owner, and you can you can pay them fifty percent of the profit, and uh, they can still you can still have that equal, but there's there still ends up being one owner. Absolutely. All right. Well, back to a more positive topic, uh, fun topic. So this discussion of trolls was pretty interesting. Um, I know within within your Facebook groups, the online course community, and maybe next level courses as well. People have asked, how do you deal with trolls? Like somebody is is really saying things online that are, are rude or hurtful. And uh, so I thought maybe we could uh, just, just say that the best way to deal with trolls is to kind of chuckle or laugh at them. And maybe we could do a,
0: a read mean comments, read mean <laughs> tweets uh, on the podcast. I have my assistant save the negative comments. And the positive comments, like the the overwhelmingly negative ones, and the overwhelmingly positive ones. And just yesterday, in my, uh, I have a small mastermind, five people. We meet once a week. Just yesterday, one of them posted in our group, like, "Hey, does it?" He linked to some forum where people started talking badly about him. It's like, "Hey, do you guys deal with this?" And uh, I, th- I mean, if you're if you're anybody online, like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And what's crazy is is most of the time, the the positive things in general far outweigh. The negative things. If you get a hundred comments, ninety-nine of them are positive, one's negative, and that's it's just our human nature to really focus on that one negative one. So I keep that. I keep those negative ones. I keep those positive ones. And anytime, like I see some negative ones, and I get down, I go look at the positive ones. But at the same time, like if I get too high on myself and I think I'm just that cool, and I'm uh, getting a lot of positive stuff, sometimes I will go look at the negative ones too. Right? I'll use it both ways. Yeah.
1: Well. Um, we can talk a little bit more about this after, after we read some of these mean comments, but you know, comments are great for the algorithm. And so, I mean, there's an art to, uh, responding to some of the rude comments, some of the, some of the big profiles, whether it's McDonald's or Burger King, you know, they'll have like comedians respond. Um, but yeah, I mean, it still helps your, anything that you put out there actually makes it more likely to show to other people and the way you respond can actually make you look better.
0: Yeah. And look, we, we normally respond. One path is to just ignore and depending on the tone, like if it's just like a FU, then we might not respond to it or it might just say like, you might just say, hope your day gets better or something like that. But usually like, all right, let me, here's one. I'm going to read this to you. Okay, <laughs> Alan said, get real. It's an insult to the art of music and to those who study for years with the hard work and passion they have displayed. You come along and say, play piano in 21 days. Please remove this utter nonsense and go earn yourself your income from a proper job, not spending any more time highlighting your pathetic piano rubbish. Oh my goodness, you got burned. Burned. Yeah. Alan really put me in my place, man. We respond to comments like this. I don't have exactly how either myself or Emily responded to this particular comment, but we I'm I'm good with healthy debate. Like, hey, Alan, like totally respect your opinion. To be honest with you, like you've played piano a long time, so I could understand why a message like this would come in, and and you would feel you would feel like this isn't real. But people learning through my system are not the type of person that would ever learn from traditional methods, and they're certainly not going to be an expert after 21 days. But they're going to be competent, and they're going to know far more about piano after 21 days than they knew before. And if you want any proof of this, just go to pianoin21days.com/slash/testimonials, and you can see actual people playing the piano, having gone through the program. So for the right people, the program works. There is actual evidence of mm. this. And I'm sorry that that doesn't jive with exactly the way that you learned. Right. Especially if this isn't a public platform for, I think this was probably a comment on a Facebook ad. Then I think by replying with a message like that, that actually helps your case overall because people look at the ads and then they can also look at the comments. Definitely. You want me to read another one? Sure. Let's you like hear that one, one. in you? Okay. So... Next, we have um, Nick said signed up for the free workbook, but it never came. Everything's exclamation points at the end. All I got was an email with his recommendation for a, a link to a cheap keyboard. He obviously gets a kickback. He was upset, even though he def- if he received the second email, he definitely received the first email. And yeah, I get a kickback. I get two percent on a two hundred dollar keyboard. What do you do? You order it. I get four four dollars. It's I mean that's. <laughs> all right. Annie says, there is no way you can learn to play the piano in 21 days. Even if you take lessons all day for 21 days, there is just no way, floor exclamation points. In that period of time, all you can learn is the theory of it, but actually playing and moving your fingers and playing a song, no way. I am a professional pianist with 30 years of experience and I am still learning. Oh man, she is worked up. She's worked up. And it's most of the time, it's people that have been playing piano their whole life or um, piano, te- they've been teaching their whole life. This person says, "I'm a professional pianist with 30 years of experience, and I am still learning." Yeah, me too. Exactly. Like, there's who's who's not still learning their craft, right? Right. All right. Well, I gotta share. I gotta share one or two here. Um, I thought I had
1: some more, uh, some more funny ones, but um, actually, the video that that it's on might be funnier just for people to hear about. So, years ago, I learned this running technique called Chi running. And uh, basically, I mean, if you had to sum it up, it's just lean forward a little bit, run with quicker, smaller steps. But I started host- hosting some in-person workshops in my office on how to, I just called them run pain-free, run smooth. And I'd done quite a few of those. So this patient came in one day and she said, yeah, I'm running a 5K tomorrow. And I said, oh, are you ready? And she said, yeah, I'll be fine with the running. She said, the biggest issue is that my chest is so large, I feel like I might end up with a black eye um, or somebody might video me and put me on YouTube and I was just cracking up and then I was like you know I was like I actually I teach people this running style and and what I teach people to have less stress on their legs um might actually take less stress uh it would it would make your chest bounce less and so I went over it with her. And then later on, this was during when I was just trying to put YouTube videos out just to boost my SEO, um, search engine optimization of my office. But I hit Google and I'm like, run with a big chest. And, and I was kind of chuckling. I was like, Val's going to see my search history and be like, what is he up to? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, here I find that nobody has actually said like, no, if you, if you're a woman with this issue, you can just run in a different way. Um, so I'm like, I should make the video. And so then I start looking around and I'm like, who can I have uh, be my model? Oh, and, gosh. and my wife is a, a more petite person. Um, and I had a staff member at the time that I was like, she's she's athletic. She's got the perfect physique. But if you remember, uh, sometime I shared one of my rules for being a business owner or a manager is never be like Michael Scott. Yes. And
0: I was, yes, yes, I mean, yes, that, yes, yes, yes. That
1: doesn't come up all the time, but like the alarm bells went off. I'm like, this is like an episode of The Office. I'm not going to ask her. Um, and so ultimately, um, I got some water balloons and one of my wife's bralettes, and I made this video of me showing showing larger chested women how to run without their chest bouncing as much and uh, tons of nice comments from women all over the world. Uh, but like this one guy, his his YouTube name was this person, but he said, WTF, but then it was so cool because one of my fans got on there. Her name was Alexia and she said, she said, wow, that's fantastic. So she wanted to redefine his (laughs) WTF, but um, yeah, some of the other comments were great. One person said, Dr. David Crozy knows woman. And then another one said, I'm so happy to find this video. I'm training for the largest OCR in Scandinavia. And whenever I try running, I get pain in my entire upper body from the evil breast bounce. So
0: Will you send me that video so we can include it in the show notes, please? Oh,
1: man, it's, it's out there. You just search YouTube. It's the top video. And uh, yeah, and all the people are like, um, you know, this genuinely solves a need. And actually, it does. It's a pretty crummy production. Um, so for anybody out there that's just like need to start somewhere, like just start wherever. It was made with iMovie. Anymore? Man, I'm just, do, do you have I'm
0: just trying to. <laughs> I do. I have one more I want to share. But I was going to say, I'm just trying to teach people piano. And you're out there just <laughs> you're. You're. <laughs> You're trying to teach people all kinds of stuff.
1: Hey, anywhere I can anywhere I can help people, I'm game in general.
0: Let's turn that into an online course, man. Okay, so one more. Um, I think everything I've read so far was like a Facebook comment. This one was an email, just responding to one of my emails. This is all caps, so they have caps lock on. Take me off your email list now. Like 17 exclamations. Harassing and insulting your prospective customers is definitely not a way to sell a product or service learn some manners and get better sales training make sure you don't ever contact me failure to adhere to this request will result in legal action oh my goodness what do you think the best way to respond to that one is um, done just simply done so this so for me the like this is the type of thing i'm just not going to respond to i'm going to go into my active campaign i'm going to unsubscribe them and I'm probably going to put a note in Active Campaign just in case they ever subscribe again or we ever have problems with it again, just like what happened and just archive it. I'm not like that doesn't even need a response. Like all the exclamation points, all the capital letters, failure to adhere to this request result in legal action. Like, seriously, yeah. I sent you a piano video and you're going to reply like that? Well, do you happen to be able to guess which video prompted that? I'm, I've been through your
1: video. I mean, I'm on your list. I get yours. Is it the why didn't you buy one or?
0: I mean, it's, it was probably. I don't have a, the record of which email this was in response to, but it's I mean, he said that I was harassing the customers. So I'm guessing it was the "Why didn't you enroll?" email. Like, hey, a lot of people enrolled. Why didn't you? Just curious. Let me know.
1: Does that one get the most
0: negative? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think there's any one that gets the most negative. Um, maybe he's just having a bad day. Right. You know, <laughs> you just you just never know what's happening on the other side. A lot of times we'll respond. Um, especially if it's in a public place, like a Facebook thread or something, but like this things like this, you just archive it, unsubscribe, don't let it affect you. Also, I can't we can't talk about trolls without saying that there are times that there's constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. you're you're not perfect, and there if somebody comes to you and it's like, there could be things you're doing wrong. Usually, I like to hear the same thing at least twice before I take action on it because it could just be one person's opinion. But there can be real, real things. You might think it's just a troll or hater at first, but they they might have a legitimate point on something you need to improve. Mm -hmm. It's true. Anything else, David Um. Well, I mean, if you
1: again, if you watch if you watch the Burger King account or you watch Wendy's accounts, um, I mean, they're going to try to respond with a humorous thing where possible. Um there are times that I've done that below some of my Facebook ads and people laugh and respond back with something funny it actually you can tell that it builds my rapport and then I have had people where they respond back and uh say something terrible and I just instantly block them you know the game's game's over so I mean I always try to respond with something lighthearted um somebody told me that I drank 3 cups of coffee and talked as fast as I could and I responded back with a meme of um, I think it's the dumb and dumber guy like running in the truck or, or in, the, in the van, you know, but
0: um, if it goes the wrong direction, just instantly block them and, and move on. That is well said. So um, this was Craig and Zach from the fraternity of com. Uh, all the men out there listening, definitely check it out. See if it might be a good a good fit for you. I've had a great experience inside of there al- already. Even as far as in, an in-person event that, that I've been to, that was really cool and a lot of fun. So fraternityofexcellence.com. And if you are interested in, in more online course help, that's theonlinecourseguy.com. And if you want to find the show notes and links from today's episode, you can go to oc.show uh, slash 157 and that will redirect you to guy.com slash a bunch of long things. That's why I like to keep it simple for you guys. So thanks, uh, thanks to Craig and Zach. Thanks for everyone out there listening. Dr. K, thank you for joining me for another one here. Um, did we hit everything man was there anything else no that's all the big points cool well thanks for thanks for bringing your um your uh one-of-a-kind personality to yet another episode and um so that's gonna do it uh thanks everyone get out there and make some next level courses with transformation and not just information see ya